0: With a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George, welcome to After Nine on ninety-three point one CFIS FM. Well, it's
1: a relatively nice-looking Tuesday morning out there right now, but it's not supposed to stay that way. If you listen to the weather forecast, expecting rain, and got a full show today starting with someone from a group we haven't talked to in a while. Brienne Cote is a director with the BC Northern Real Estate Board, as you corrected me just before we came on because I had the wrong name. Good morning, Brienne. Good morning. So now, real estate in Prince George in a pandemic. <laughs> just over a year ago, March of 2020, everything was looking good, I'm guessing. Then all of a sudden the pandemic hits. What happened to real estate in Prince George in the last year? Like, I'm hearing it did fairly well.
2: Yeah, that's right. Surprisingly, um, you know, like you say, about a year ago, everything was just Mm -hmm. running along tickety-boo, and then uh, March came, and uh, worldwide pandemic, and everybody kind of wondered what was going to happen and what was going on. Uh, So we definitely had a stall in real estate for a brief period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like most things, everything was pretty volatile. Nobody knew what was happening. Um, but it, you know, we changed uh, our business models a little bit. We um, came up with some good plans. We followed the PHO guidelines, and uh, real estate came back uh, with a vengeance.
1: <laughs> so now, what what did the numbers look like last year then?
2: So last year, in the first quarter, um, the average price of a single family home was three hundred eighty thousand dollars. Uh, this year, in the first quarter, the average price of a single-family home is $450,000. Wow. So we've gone up more than 15% yeah. since the first quarter last year.
1: And now how how are home sales doing?
2: So sales have gone up... Uh, a lot since mm-hmm. the first quarter last year. Traditionally in Prince George, the first quarter is a bit of a quieter quarter. January, February is mm-hmm. quiet. Um, it doesn't start to get busy till March and April. So last year in the first quarter, we had uh, 753 sales in, in the city. Uh, this year, the first quarter, so January to March, we had 1530 sales. Holy cow.
1: So that's twice as many. Yeah. Now the 750 last year and that was basically then that's pre-pandemic, so that's a regular year, if you will. Like, there's no pandemic numbers in that you have to account for,
0: really.
2: Maybe a little bit because yeah, of March. It's a very yeah, ideal. yeah. So it was oh. um, uh, similar to previous years. It was mm-hmm. maybe a little bit lower than sim- than previous years, but uh, but similar for sure. So this year is definitely um, an exception.
1: What are you hearing from the people you're dealing with as to why we've doubled the number of sales in the first three months?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, we're hearing there's a whole bunch of different mm-hmm. different reasons. Um, one of them is the pent-up demand. Mm-hmm. Um, so because we had that slowdown, people weren't really doing much. Um, when it kind of started up again, we had pent-up demand and, and more yeah. people wanting to get in. Um, the inventory is just low. It's been low for a little while. It's been definitely a seller's market for the last mm-hmm. few years. And it's just that's been exuberated now. So the inventory is very, very low. Um we're, we have way more buyers than we do sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're having more people who are wanting to buy homes who maybe weren't really um, interested in getting into the buyers or the homeowners mm-hmm. market before. Um, people working from home, they want bigger homes. They want a home office. Uh, many people aren't spending money on vacations and lots of extracurricular things. And they're choosing to put that money into buying a home for themselves so that they can have their own little piece of paradise right where they mm-hmm. live. Um, and, of course, the record low interest rates, those have had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, people are trying to take advantage of that while we have it. Um, and then lastly, uh, I would say that the lumber prices are having some effect as well. You know, it's really hard to build a new home now. It's getting more and more expensive. So those older homes are selling for, uh, for more money than, than they used to, for sure, because you couldn't replace them anymore.
1: So you're saying not too many sellers out there right now. The sellers who are out there, are they again older people looking to either downsize or they're looking at maybe moving into a senior's apartment or something?
2: we're definitely seeing some of that for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, you know, people who have been in their homes for years and years, um, they're taking advantage of the price that they can get for Mm -hmm. it now and, uh, and looking to retire or looking to downsize or move into apartments or condos, that type of thing. Um, yeah, that, that is a big, a big portion of it. And then a lot of other people who are selling are people who are are selling to move up, uh, Mm -hmm. to a bigger home, um, you know, climb the property ladder, Mm -hmm. um, get, uh, their good equity out of their home and, and uh, move into a newer, bigger place.
1: Now, you were saying when the pandemic hit, it was a bit of a lull, I think was the word you used for a little while, until you and the rest of the realtors in Prince George and everywhere around the world, probably, started to figure, okay, how can we work with the situation we've got now? Were realtors, for the most part, in a not bad situation because most of you can work out of your homes.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, at first it was really scary for everybody. Like, Mm -hmm. like it was, you know, for Mm -hmm. all, um, all jobs. Um, but we can work from our homes, but we do have to still be in contact with the public regularly Mm -hmm. and we are going into other people's homes and such. So, um, You know, as soon as we were deemed an essential service and uh, as soon as some provincial health guidelines came out that we could follow, that we could um, make a protocol, you know, um, our board, our BC Northern Real Estate Board and um, all of our governing bodies have worked together to come up with some um, great plans and protocols and, uh, you know, following the PHO guidelines and more. Mm -hmm. And uh, once we've been able to implement that, um, it's, it's, I think it's, you know, um, a safe thing to do and, uh, everybody's doing a good job of it.
1: Now, one question I forgot to ask right at the beginning, cause I almost always do Northern BC real estate board. How do you guys define Northern BC? What are the boundaries?
2: So northern BC, uh, we go all the way down to 100-mile house. Uh, we go all the way up to um, Dawson Creek, Fort St. John, all the way over to Haida Gwaii and to the Alberta border. So We're a pretty big area. east
1: to west, the same as just what every other group. And basically you're saying Dawson Creek, Fort St. John. Well, you may as well say to the Yukon basically border. Basically to the Yukon yeah. border, yeah. been down to 100-mile, wow. Yeah. That's bigger than a lot of the other groups. That it is are a northern. huge
2: area, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So when you started to get the new guidelines in place, how hard has it been to explain to both buyers and sellers what the new rules are? Are most of them, I'm guessing in the beginning it was probably fairly difficult sometimes to get across them what needed to be done. Now it's probably a lot easier because everybody's used to it.
2: That's right. Yeah. Uh in the beginning I mean we started with the mask protocol mm-hmm. wearing masks in uh homes before it was mandated. Mm-hmm. And so that was uh sometimes a little bit of um a tricky situation mm-hmm. but um you know what like it, everybody just explains to their clients that this is what needs to happen. We need to wear masks when we're in the homes. We always hand sanitize. Um, Most homeowners leave lights on and leave interior doors and closets open, uh, that type of thing, so that we don't have to be touching things and Mm -hmm. we can just walk through the home and look without um, touching anything. And, and uh, and then if we do have to open doors and cupboards and such um, the, the or the buyer's realtor will um, sanitize it with a Lysol wiper or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, um, And then, uh, yeah, we always ask the the questions beforehand, you know, um, Mm. the questions that everybody knows nowadays. (laughs) Um, But we did do that, like I said, before that was protocol. So the masks and the questions and everything like that was before protocol. And there was a little bit of pushback, but, you know, it's just um, it's what we had to do Mm -hmm. to make sure that everybody was staying safe.
1: And so now has it gotten to the point where it's almost routine for you? You meet the new client who's going to be going into somebody's home and you don't even probably have a list of the questions anymore. You just know them, right?
2: Exactly, yeah. It's very routine now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, everybody knows the questions now. Everybody knows um, they always have a mask. You know, most realtors have a, what we're kind of calling a COVID kit. Mm-hmm. And so we've got extra masks in case anybody forgets it. We've always got hand sanitizer on. Um, we've got gloves. You know, some homeowners pre- prefer people wear fresh mm-hmm. gloves before entering the house, um, things like that. So it is, it's just second nature now
1: when you are showing a home do you sort of put a limit on how many people you will take in like even if it's a family that's going in do you try to say okay Mom, dad, and maybe one kid can come in with us, but that's it because we don't want any more people in the house than that.
2: Absolutely, yeah. We want to keep the numbers, um, as minimal as possible. So, um, and, and many sellers, um, will actually request no kids because, you know, sometimes it's hard to keep kids from touching things and whatnot. (laughs) Um, so, um, that's a little bit, little bit more of a case by case basis with what sellers are, um, wanting. But, uh, yeah, we definitely limit them as much as we can. Um, we ask our sellers or our buyers that if they can leave, um, the kids with the grandparents or somebody like that no. and it just be the adults walking through, then we, um, that's much preferred. Um, yeah, no big groups, no bringing all your <laughs> friends through <laughs> and whatnot. <laughs> um, the other things that we're doing too is we're making sure that, um, you know, video walkthroughs or, or um, mm. Uh, you know, tours of the home are available for potential buyers to watch mm-hmm. before they book a, an appointment to see it in person. Um, and getting people to drive by and see the outside, see the neighborhood. Um, basically just anything that they can do to make sure that they do in fact want to see the house, mm-hmm. um, to limit the amount of people that are going through houses mm-hmm. if possible.
1: Yeah. Do you also, when you're talking to somebody who is a buyer, especially if they are maybe From outside Prince George coming in, do you ask them to say, okay, let's see if we can keep it to, like, maybe three homes, whereas before you may have taken somebody almost on, like, a full-day tour of seven or eight homes, do you try now to say pick the three homes you really want to see and we'll keep it at that?
2: Yeah, before it was definitely, you know, the more houses we can see, the better because mm-hmm. then it just helps buyers make their decision. It helps them to know that they're really um, sure about what decision they're making. Um, I used to always tell my buyers, yeah, if you want to see it, if you think that you might like it, let's go see it. Now it's definitely more, let's be sure that you want to see it and let's be sure that this is actually a home that you would be maybe wanting to purchase. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, um, we want to like I said we just want to keep people minimal as possible the other thing that we're doing as well is um is we're requiring a lot of sellers are requiring um potential buyers to have a pre-approval in mm. place before viewing um, to make sure that they are in fact able to purchase the house if mm-hmm. they wanted to, because you don't want to have people chasing through your house who aren't even able to purchase it. Mm. Um, that's been helpful with the competitive market, and it's also helpful with the COVID protocol. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I hope that we can continue um, after COVID is in the past. Um, those pre-approvals are really important. They help the buyers. They help the sellers. They're great for everybody.
1: Open houses, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing they've really been cut back or even eliminated probably simply because for those same reasons, you don't want 50 different people walking through the house in a four-hour period.
2: Exactly. Yeah, open houses were totally eliminated at first. Um, You know, they did try to make a comeback a little bit, not Mm -hmm. so much in Prince George and the Lower Mainland more. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think they had a lot of success with their comeback just because it is pretty hard to regulate um, the amount of people that are coming in or or even you know regulate the amount of people coming in but there's still people gathered outside waiting Mm -hmm. and so um we haven't been doing open houses um there's been some realtors who have picked up um kind of a uh, virtual open house so they'll do like a live um facebook or something walk through the house people can ask questions camera type thing exactly yeah and it's kind of neat because people can ask questions or oh can i see that again and then they can pan back to whatever Mm -hmm. it is that the the person viewing wants to see and um, those have been quite effective.
1: One place I can think of that has had decent success with open house, Spruce King, or Spruce King Show Home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because they went back to the open house. But again, they only had people going in through the garage entrance. And they had their tables right outside, so they could definitely limit it. And they had people, and they said, if you're waiting, either wait in your vehicle or if there's room on the driveway, gain social distancing and it seemed to work. Mm -hmm. But I'm guessing that's a special case though, definitely. Like that's not the same as you going out and having an open house at a, shall we say, regular home.
2: Yeah, and I mean, if we can get our jobs done without doing it, then Mm -hmm. that's best case scenario. Um, just anything we can do to limit exposure to the public is what we're trying to do. Um, so, I mean, in that situation, that is a big part of the Spruce King Show home is their open house. Um, for us, if we can, you know, get, uh, the, the showing list, the listing out there to the public, um, without doing an open house and get the buyers to be able to see it, um, then that's the optimal way of doing it, I think.
1: Have you had any buyers who had maybe a little bit of time, like they didn't need to buy the house right this week, who maybe came in for one day and went through three houses, say, with you, and then they came back, say, a week later and went through three more rather than do six in one day?
2: Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, um, especially if they're in-town buyers, yeah. you know, Um th- there's not always three or six houses for them to look at at any given time. Um, so, yeah, you'll definitely spread them out. Um, out-of-town buyers, it's been a lot more difficult um, because they only have a certain period of time to, yeah. to look, and uh, and there's not a lot of time to kind of wait around and um, you know look at a listing that came out on Monday. You can't wait around and look at it on Saturday when you come to town. Yeah. It'll likely be gone.
1: Now, heading into and I'm going to say it anyways, despite what the weather's been like recently, heading into the summer months, is summer usually a fairly busy time for real estate in Prince George?
2: generally our spring market is the busiest market mm-hmm. so march april may is the very very busiest market that we we normally have mm-hmm. um into the summer months people are on holidays they're camping um you know they're they're out and about um and then it kind of picks up again for um, mid september october and then again quiets down that's that's kind of what we generally um see in prince george i mean we have an active market all year mm-hmm. all year long but that's the the general ebb Flow uh, last year, um, that wasn't the case at all. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, very, very different. And so we're expecting this year to kind of follow like last year. It's not going to follow the the usual course. I don't think.
1: No. Now, are you anticipating doubling the number of sales for the next three months like you did in the first three?
2: You know, we are anticipating things to continue to stay, uh, very, very busy. Um, last year, our previous record, sorry, for, um, number of units sold was in 2006. We had 5,564 units sold. So, um, there is an anticipation that we might break that mm-hmm. record this year, just, uh, based on the, the first quarter numbers. Wow.
1: So real estate in Prince George, if you're a seller, your realtor really wants to hear from you.
2: That is true. Yeah, if you have something to sell, your realtor definitely wants to hear from you right now and give you some insight as to what that might sell for.
1: But it might be a good idea if you are selling to make sure you know what you're going to be doing after the house sells rather than trying to say, okay, now I'm going to take a look around at the houses in. What do you mean there's no houses in Prince George to buy?
2: That's (laughs) exactly right. Yeah, you don't want to sell your house and not have anywhere to to move to. So if you're wanting to downsize, if you already had plans of in the next year or two Mm -hmm. of moving um and, you know, downsizing or upsizing or, or what have you, then, yeah, now might be a great time to do that. Okay.
1: Brian Cote with the BC Northern Real Estate Board. Thank you very much for coming in and bringing us up today And holy cow, you <laughs> guys are busy. Why don't you get back to the office?
2: It's a busy time out there. Thanks, Alan.
1: Okay. Thank you. Take a quick break and be back with more after nine.
3: Hi, I'm Matt Kaplan, Planetary Radio's host and producer. Bill Nye and the rest of us at the Planetary Society are thrilled to be on CFIS. We hope you'll join us as we travel the solar system and beyond. You'll hear the explorers, scientists, and creative minds that are taking humanity beyond our lovely homeworld as they look for life and intelligence elsewhere in the cosmos. That's Planetary Radio, Wednesday nights at 8, here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Join
4: the Method Dance Society for free online workshops on contemporary movement and dance.
3: Hosted by Method Dance Society, a half-dozen guest instructors will help you develop your dance skills. Workshops run Saturday afternoons at 3.30 through May 8th.
4: Register for one or all the sessions at methoddance.ca.
3: Free online workshops in contemporary movement and dance from Method Dance Society, Saturday afternoons at 3.30 through May 8th.
5: Now available for viewing at the Two Rivers Gallery, an exercise in listening. This stunning exhibit features work by four artists from across Canada, Ruth Cuthand, Annie Dunning, Genevieve Robertson, and Kelsey Stevenson. The exhibit is a collection of sculpture, sonic art, video, drawings, and prints to create a narrative around the importance of listening to create a more inclusive and environmentally-minded future. An exercise in listening is on through July 4th at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza.
1: Forecast from Environment Canada. mix of sun and cloud today becoming cloudy near noon with rain this afternoon. Winds from the southwest at 20 gusts into 40 at a high of 9. More rain tonight with a low of 3. For Wednesday, rain. wind southwest 20 gusts into 40 near noon at a high of 8.
0: It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station. 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: The Fields around the city are starting to uh, get used by outdoor groups for spring and summer. One of those groups, of course, Prince George Minor Fastball. Keith Henry from Minor Fastball was in the studio Thursday evening for Post to Post. Started by asking Keith how things were going in terms of getting the season up and running
6: participants uh i mean by that that is boys and some girls that are interested in playing with the boys wow and our season starts on may 1st and goes into uh early july if uh teams go to provincials so when you say the season starts may 1st is
1: that like do they start playing games like right off the bat?
6: Well, not right off the bat. Um, unfortunately, due to the COVID pandemic, we do have some specific guidelines to follow. And one of those being that we can not play games right off the bat, but what we can do is we can practice. Yeah. And we'll start with practicing first, and then eventually we'll move into the gameplay. I guess fastball has an advantage over a lot of other sports in that
1: for practices, there is no physical contact or anything. You're throwing the ball, you're hitting the ball, there's no physical contact until you actually get into playing games where you might have contact on the base paths or something.
6: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, um, definitely at the start, you know, we're doing the physical distancing. Mm -hmm. We're doing some different protocols for safety as people come and go. Um, You know, definitely the catching, the skill development, the batting, the pitching can all be done at a a safe distance. And uh, again, increasing the skill level of each of the players. So now, what, what age groups do you have in minor fastball in Prince George? That's a good question. We have uh, many different age groups, and uh, the age group categories start out at blasters, those for 5- and 6-year-olds. <laughs> okay. We also have mites, which is from 7- to 10-year-olds. Uh, the squirts division is 11- and 12-year-olds. Peewee division is 13- and 14-year-olds. Uh, Bantam is 15 and 16 and the Midget is 17, 18 and 19 years. Wow. So you guys have not felt the need to change your names the way Minor Hockey did to
1: just going with U names, U8, and U9. Um
6: well eventually we will, um, definitely move in that direction as per Southpaw uh, Canada's guidelines. They, they did a number of changes this year that will come into effect next, uh, next summer, uh, in 2022. So now I'm just going to say I'm guessing last season there really probably wasn't a season as such. That is correct. Uh due to the COVID pandemic, uh last season didn't happen and so this year just based upon some of the guidelines and mm-hmm. and some of the limitations, we feel that we are able to move forward with with some sort of a season. So, when did registration start and how is it going so far? Um registration started around April 1st, um and so uh numbers are a little bit slow. We're we're a little bit late in getting out of the the shoot here uh for the season. So, um we're encouraging people to sign up now. Um, and sign up will go into mi- mid May. Okay. So I was thinking, I know the
1: latest set of restrictions that we're under, which are mainly for business and everything, are until the May long weekend, I believe. Is that sort of a realistic thing to say with? minor fastball that assuming everything else holds true that's when the teams may end
6: sort of their practice area and might be starting to look at games yeah it would be nice if we can get to that point um, and it might even go a little bit longer on under the different um, guidelines uh, we do have some some different innings is what we call them and inning one is the current one that we're in so um, and moving into inning two three and four um, we'll get into Actual gameplay. Okay.
1: So now you were saying that it's mostly boys, but there are some girls who play. Do the girls play up to a certain division,
6: or are there girls who
1: play midget fastball
6: in Prince George? Um, well, you know definitely, there is girls that play midget fastball and you know in the girls league, but mm. the reason why we take girls is because some families can't go back and forth between the, the, yeah. the fields right and so it just works better when um, they're able to play together and so definitely you know we don't have a whole heck of a lot of girls playing, but there are a few of them that do play in the different divisions mm. yes so when you when you're setting up the teams. Like if you've
1: got, say, enough players, let's just take an example and say squirts. Let's say you've got enough players in the squirts division for four teams. How do you set the teams up? Like do the four coaches sort of draft the players? Do you sort of look at the players and say, well, let's put these people together and try to keep the teams as even as possible
6: yeah we, we tend to try to even it out uh, again depending on the skill level of different players uh, sometimes we know what the skill levels sometimes we don't know but we also try to accommodate different requests again uh, some of some um, family friends might want to play together and so we try to accommodate that way and so again and sign up if there's a particular uh, request we ask that to be identified at that time now, How are you doing for coaches this year? Coaching is always an issue. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're always looking for new recruits and new volunteers. So again, uh, definitely if there's anyone out there that that has interest, uh, please let us know. And let's go then to the person who the coach usually ends up arguing with and kicking dirt on the shoes of, umpires. Umpires is another huge need mm-hmm. uh, right across the board in, in all of our different leagues in uh, fastball and Prince George. So, again, um, there is a particular program that you can take online to get certified, and it's a mm-hmm. short course. Um, and definitely, you know, again... Uh, umpires are typically paid when they are umpiring games so that's a little bit of a revenue generator for people that want to make a bit of extra cash because i know years ago i umped
1: not at any high level obviously but it was just i would show up at the ballpark and if nobody else showed up i would ump. but uh and i know a lot of the coaches were sort of the same things it was like the dad of one of the players would say well if we need a coach i guess i could do it They knew a little bit about the game, but and it was fun. Do you have that same thing? Like with the coaches, is there any sort of level of understanding that you'd like them to have?
6: Well, again, yeah, we tend to try to... Provide some training throughout the year, but again, sometimes um, we don't have coaches that step up until mm-hmm. actually during the season. So we try to provide them with the basics in mm-hmm. terms of um, their understanding. Um, you know, again, we like everyone to have a initial level one coaching certificate, mm-hmm. but uh, we always know that that's not possible. So we have a number of individuals. Um, Kevin McKinney is a, one of our lead coaches that does help support other coaches that maybe don't have the certification and, and want some pointers as to what. Mm-hmm they can do and provide some uh, feedback on, on the way that they work with the kids, but also on the drills that they provide. Now, if there is a provincials issue, I think you were saying that would probably be in July.
1: Is that sort of like rep teams then from Prince George?
6: Yeah, definitely. We always try to send a team from Prince George. Um, We don't necessarily call it our rep team just because, again, um, you know, we do have tryouts typically. But depending on the number of the kids in the age group that are interested, we may not even have a tryout. If there's only 10 kids interested, that (laughs) might be the team. And for this year, um, there is provincial scheduled for early July in Barrier, B.C., In barrier, Okay. Now, have the provincials ever been in Prince George? We have hosted them back in 2017 uh, for the Midget and the the spurt Division. Um, so, So that's going back four years ago. So again, they split them up. Like it's not, they don't have all of the divisions playing in the same community. That's correct. Um, th- at that time, it was split up. But for this year's provincials, everybody's going everybody's to go into one location. Um, and again, it, uh, it's a little more accommodating um, due to the, the current situation that we're in with the pandemic. Now, based on
1: previous years, and obviously we can't talk about last year, how does Prince George usually fare provincially?
6: Overall, overall, going back to, I guess, 2019, uh, Mm -hmm. we had two teams go to provincials and both teams medaled. And so uh, I think uh, both teams were were, uh, silver medalists. And so we had one uh, squirt team and we had one peewee team. And we've got to take a break, but I'll be back. The government of B.C. has
3: expanded its Launch Online Grant Program. The program will now provide up to $75,000 to help businesses build or expand an e-commerce site. Businesses in the hard-hit tourism sector and the service industry can now access the grant to build or improve their online booking systems. Small and medium-sized businesses can apply online and review eligibility criteria at launchonline.ca. The Launch Online Grant Program. Application deadline is September 30th or until funds have been fully subscribed, so don't delay.
4: Vancouver International Children's Festival has been reimagined for 2021. Running May 31st to June 13th, this year's festival has an extraordinary lineup of world-class theater, music, dance, and storytelling created specifically for children and youth. Plus, there's an extra seven days of extended show viewing. Tickets are on sale now at childrensfestival.ca and include access to a series of online art workshops. The Vancouver International Children's Festival, May 31st to June 13th, at childrensfestival.ca.
3: The Alzheimer's Society of BC is recruiting volunteer committee members for their annual IG Wealth Management Walk for Alzheimer's. This year's walk will take place throughout the month of May, culminating in a virtual celebration on May 30th. If you have the time and are looking for a volunteer role, email volunteer at alzheimerbc.org, call 604-742-4937, or visit the Special Events Volunteer section of the Alzheimer's Society of BC website at at alzbc.org slash event volunteer. The Omaneka Arts Centre is presenting an Arts Auction Fundraiser April 30th. All items donated for the auction are on display at Almanica Arts with advanced bidding available through their Facebook page. Stop by to view items on Thursday from 11.30 to one thirty, or Friday from noon to 5.
4: Then log in for the Art Auction and Facebook Live concert featuring music, comedy, artistic talks, door prizes and much more.
3: The Almanica Arts Centre Art Auction Fundraiser, Friday night from 7 to 10.
0: Featuring the people who make things happen and Prince George. You're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS FM.
1: Now back to more of the interview from Thursday night's Post to Post with Keith Henry from Spruce City Minor Fastball. Do you find, it's almost like, again, I'll just refer back to minor hockey because that's the sport that most people know. Do you find that a lot of the players, like with those squirts, would a lot of them stick together the next year as a team in peewee?
6: Yeah, it does. It does somewhat work out that way uh, at times, depending on the ages. So again, usually every two years, uh, people may you know it's it's two years um, that that the kids will play together, um, and then one one part of that group might move on the next year, and then they'll catch up with the rest of the group the following year. So so again, a lot of the boys know each other that are closer in in age groups. So how? Much like, you know, if you
1: had a group who had done really well, like say you have a group this year that does really well at the provincials, again, let's just say Pee Wees, and most of them have to be second year Pee Wees. So next year they will be moving up to the Bantams. Would the idea be to maybe keep that group together, or would you like to see them sort of spread out? If you had a couple of teams in the bantam division, because you have enough players, would you like to see those players spread
6: out so the teams would be more even? Yeah, definitely. We again, when it comes to our house house teams, we we like to spread it out and make it a little more even. But again, when it comes to some of the provincial play or or as as per some people call it, the rep team play, mm-hmm. uh, we we would would like them to stick together. But we also encourage new. Uh, players to come and try out as well um, and and again depending on their skill level they may be mm-hmm. you, you know uh, may be able to make that team and participate at a different level rather than just the house level
1: so again going back to 2019 about how many players did you have in mind of the fastball
6: uh, back in 2019 Over the years, we've seen a bit of a decline, so we had around 75 players back in 2019, and so we're hoping that we can see a good portion of those players return, and many of them were were also returning players, and there were some new players as well back in 2019. So
1: anybody who's playing in 2019, by definition, if they're back this
6: year, they're going to be in another age division. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, probably two. It's been two, yeah. uh, uh, jumping up to two two divisions or one division mm-hmm. for sure. Do you find that
1: a lot of your coaches, when they get involved, tend to stick with? the team as it moves along as well
6: yes definitely we we do have uh some parents that definitely you know their kids are playing and they've helped up helped and stepped up and coached over the years and so they continue to do that as their kid progresses through the different age groups
1: do you have some coaches who are almost always outside that family grouping if you will like some player some people who are just Coaches, like they're not dads or moms; they're
6: just coaches. Um, not, not specifically. No, most of most of them. Well, in fact, all of them, I guess, would have some sort of link in terms of whether it's a it's a a son or a grandchild that that plays.
1: Now, how much does the distance from the pitcher's box, I'll call it, to home plate vary between? the blasters and the... I love that name. The blasters and the midgets. Like, I'm guessing the midgets probably do not play at that same distance.
6: That's correct, yeah. Um, the blasters are more of a... It's more of an introduction, so they don't necessarily pitch, and, and they do try to play a bit of a game-like situation. So... So um, it's usually the coaches that that would maybe toss the ball up and let them swing at it, and so when you get into the older age group, so it does start um, probably in the the seven to ten year old mm-hmm. um, age category where they start pitching, and so at that point it's around thirty five feet from home plate, mm-hmm. and as you move into uh, midget, it goes up to forty six feet wow. from home plate. So now.
1: At the blaster level, then, do the the coaches usually learn fairly quickly, okay, toss the ball up there, but be prepared to duck in case the kid actually hits it?
6: Yes, definitely. There is some, some definitely, uh, uh, some, some accidents that have happened where mm-hmm. the coaches may not may have underestimated a, a child's ability to swing that bat and connect with the ball. So, um, definitely, you know, we we tell them to protect themselves and uh, possibly even wear a glove and, and a helmet mm-hmm. if they want.
4: Now, what fields
6: do you play in? Do most of the games take place at like school fields, or do you
1: have fields in Prince George that you play at?
6: Yeah, we're lucky to have. A couple fields um, under the association. Again, we work with the city that um, oversees these fields. And so we, we play in Carrie Jean Gray Park, um, mm. and our fields are Ron Wiley Field and Minor Boys Field. And that's back in behind, um, you know, where, where the YMCA is, and there's mm. multiple ball diamonds back there. Okay. So, Keith, let's wrap it up. People want information. Where do they go? Yeah, so there's a couple places where you can go. Uh, we do have a Facebook page, and it's called PG Minor Boys Fastball. You can also email us at scmbfa at gmail.com. Or if you're interested in registering your child, you can call Aliyah, our registration coordinator, at 250 612 2552.
1: Again, that was Keith Henry from Spruce City Minor Fastball on the Post to Post show from Thursday evening. Need to take another quick break, but we'll be back with more after nine.
3: For the second consecutive year, the University of Northern British Columbia will hold virtual convocation celebrations for its graduating class. The processes for completing graduation requirements are still the same, and all UNBC graduates in the Class of 2021 from all campuses are invited to participate. More information about UNBC's 2021 convocation can be found at unbc.ca slash convocation. The University of Northern British Columbia Class of 2021 virtual convocation, premiering June 25th at UNBC bc.ca.
5: Mark Thiebaud's Succession is available for viewing through May 2nd at Two Rivers Gallery. Featured paintings have been taken from three distinct series, populated elements and cycles. The abstract and expressive paintings are driven by the artist's reflection on subjects like temporality and impermanence. Succession by Mark Thiebaud on through May 2nd at Two Rivers Gallery open from 11 to 5 Tuesday to Saturday and 9 on Thursdays where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza.
3: Join the Alzheimer's Society for the IG Wealth Management Walk for Alzheimer's. Throughout the month of May, the Alzheimer's Society will be raising awareness and funds for people affected by dementia. Take part and then join in virtually on Sunday, May 30th to celebrate the difference you've made. Full details are available at walkforalzheimers.ca. The IG Wealth Management Walk for Alzheimer's, Sunday, May 30th.
1: Who will you walk for? Forecast from Environment Canada. Mix of sun and cloud today becoming cloudy near noon with rain this afternoon. Winds from the southwest at 20 gusts into 40 at a high of 9. More rain tonight with a low of 3. For Wednesday, rain. wind southwest 20 gusts into 40 near noon at a high of 8.
0: Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: And we are now going to be talking music, local music, Somebody I've interviewed before, but not under this band name. No. Just, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Yule is with us in the studio. Now, we were talking about this just before we came on the air. Mm. We're pretty sure that I interviewed you probably by phone when we were yes. in the old studio, and you were part of a group with your brother, Darby, called The Statistics. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And now you've changed your name, and obviously a lot of thought went into the new name. Oh, Uh, A
7: tremendous amount of thought. Honestly, we're called the Yule Brothers, which, if you don't know, is my last name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And honestly, there's actually more to it than you would think. Um, So the first part was, the the statistics wasn't really, well, well being hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't really who we were anymore. Um, We often, it was kind of a... The other part of it was it was a bad joke we had to explain to everybody, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, we were going to be statistics of the music industry. Mm. Turns out jokes you have to explain to everybody aren't actually that funny. No. Um, and everybody just ended up calling us the Yule Brothers anyways. So it mm. it sounded, it was kind of just, why not? You know, mm. like just roll with what people are saying.
1: So has the band changed at all? Or is it the same? Like when you were, the statistics, as I make very
7: Careful. <laughs> sure,
1: I <like> it <they're> right. <laughs> was it just you and darby or were there other members of the group
7: no so it was just me and darby okay we it, we had a few members before that mm-hmm. but um honestly no one ever really stuck for a lot of for a lot of really good reasons yep. you know and you know personal reasons for the people and that kind of thing mm-hmm. but um it was so we kind of just got to the point where we said are we actually gonna get anybody else <laughs> and the answer was no, no. <laughs> so we we just kind of s- stuck with this, and we're just gonna go forward with it.
1: And now, by go forward with it, you guys have got, I believe, is it an album coming out?
7: Yes. So it's gonna be an EP okay. when everything's
1: said and done. Yeah.
7: Um, we're releasing singles over the course of the summer. The first single uh, is out on April thirtieth, uh, so which is like very Friday.
1: soon. Friday. Yeah. yeah. Friday? Friday, very
7: soon. <laughs> Let's put that. Friday, like. yes. Friday, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's it's our brand our newest song. We recorded it last summer. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was quite the it was quite the adventure. So, yeah.
1: well, I would imagine being a two person band mm-hmm. with your brother in the time of pandemic is probably not the worst situation to be in because you're not having to worry about having to do your rehearsals by zoom and all that it's
7: really not yeah it was really a lot easier um i know a lot of bands struggled with that and we we were we were really lucky that way um we were also really lucky i think in that we were kind we were able to take more advantage of what was going on in terms of like being able to write more and mm-hmm. being able to plan more, right? Like we didn't have to work around restrictions so
1: much yeah. um, as many other people did. Now, speaking about songwriting, do you guys write all your own music? Because I'm pretty sure I've yes. heard at least, okay, well, you have guys have done some cover versions before. We I have. Yes. So
7: um, generally speaking, the songs that we release mm-hmm. are our own. We don't do, we don't really do covers. We do the occasional cover, uh, like on YouTube or, uh, oftentimes, they're almost always in one of our shows. We often Mm. do a cover in our shows. Shows. Um, I know, this, this mythical word that (laughs) seems to have fallen out of use, um, unless it's, of course, live streamed. Yes. (laughs) So, um, yeah, we, and even, so we did a, we did a whole live stream tour. We were halfway through our tour when the, last year, when the, um, when the, all the pandemic hit. Yeah, we were in Edmonton and uh, we played that night and we woke up the next day and everything was announced that it was shutting down. Oh. Um, yeah, so we were in Edmonton, I think it was April 15th, sorry, March 15th mm-hmm. and every, the announcers, everything got shut down on the 16th. Mm-hmm. So what we decided to do is we held our end of the bargain with all of our, um, with all of the people that we had shows booked with and we did live stream tour on each one of their instagrams or facebook's okay um yeah so it was it actually turned out we actually probably the only band got to finish their tour last year
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah how different was it doing it that way as opposed to doing it live because for one thing you can't see the audience
7: so it's a different kind of interaction yeah now um i personally think it's it's just kind of the nature of the beast Mm Hmm. um live streaming you actually get a lot different kind of interaction in that there's like a chat room going on right so you can actually respond directly to people talking so people would ask us questions and and we would answer you know we could answer Mm -hmm. in between songs and and it was it was in a way kind of more intimate
1: yeah
7: in that way like and it was i don't know if i'm super crazy about it because again i it's not really why we got into it right like And there is something missing when you, yeah, you know, like oh, when you're just sitting at a phone and at any time you can just scroll away. Yeah. Um,
1: so. Now, And the other thing that I've talked to some people about that they liked about playing live, and this was even before we went to the live streaming or whatever, but playing live, they said you could start the show mm-hmm. and you would have your first two or three songs on your playlist and you could play them and you could already at that point start get a feel for the room. Mm-hmm. like. What are these guys into? Okay, let's get, like, you know, turn to, in your case, turn to Darby and say, okay, yeah. let's get rid of this song because this is not what this audience wants to hear. Mm-hmm. Let's go with this song instead. Live stream, you wouldn't really be able to do that. You've pretty well you, got to you stick know, to, unless, do, do. So we people on live weird. stream make requests.
7: So, so yes, they do. Okay. So first of all, the, the thing is, is that we don't have enough songs to change. So okay, we never really the playlist had, is
6: the playlist.
7: We never really had that luxury in the first <laughs> place. So if we, if people didn't like us, uh, we come from a punk background. We're just gonna finish playing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, <laughs> you don't you don't love us, you hate us. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's how things work, um, but. I actually found with live streams it was actually a little, it was almost a little easier because it was quantified. Mm. If somebody um, didn't like it, they tuned out. So yeah.
1: you, if you saw the numbers, if going you saw straight down, going, you'd be going, down, down, going
7: okay. yeah, you're like, okay, that wasn't a, that was a good choice. Let's keep moving, yeah. right? So um, in that way, it was a little easier, yeah. and and you really noticed it. It was things like people stayed for the music, but. Oftentimes, when we stopped playing, the numbers dipped. So mm-hmm. people would stay, obviously, for a full song, mm-hmm. and then they would kind of take off, and you'd have to kind of rebuild and rebuild and rebuild. But um, it was, So it was, it was actually kind of interesting to be able to look at it that way a little bit more.
1: When you were doing the live stream shows, did you use And again, this is something you really wouldn't be able to do mm-hmm. at a live show. When you finished, did you let people know, we're going to stick around on mm-hmm. the stream, yeah, if you guys have got any questions at the end of the show, in Honest- general, yeah. honestly, people were very open with their questions.
7: Oh. Like it, we didn't feel like we needed to um, to really stay stay around mm-hmm. that long, because oftentimes people would just kind of, you know, it's like our live show; people just kind of shout stuff. Yeah, but <laughs> in in a live stream, you can actually just answer. You yeah. can just say like, "Yeah, oh." Well, there's still your question's still there i still mm-hmm. can read it so um we actually ended up answering lots of cool questions meeting and we actually ended up meeting a lot of people that had been fans of ours for a while uh, a little bit more closely because of
1: it and again i guess that's the other thing is with the live stream in the chat room everybody's got their username mm-hmm. yeah so you're doing the different live streams to finish your tour yeah did you see a fair number of the same names popping up
7: uh, a few of them. Yeah. So we, we found a few of them, but um, honestly, what it was was that there's different people from different cities who would <laughs> tune in because all the different venues that we worked with yep. were in different cities. So you would have just different groups of people popping in. And so we met, we saw people from, we saw some of our friends from those cities. We saw some people that uh, we had never met before who had, who somehow, who like knew our lyrics and stuff, <laughs> which was really, which is always really flattering yeah. and really, really cool. Um, so it was just it was just a very different experience. Um, it's they're almost not comparable in a way, even though they're almost you know functionally identical. Um, they it was just interesting to to, to try that new this
1: in a, in a different way. Okay, we're gonna have to take a break. When we come back, we're gonna keep talking with Aaron Ewell from the Yule Brothers. Hey, that's me. music and everything after
4: nine. Pledge your birthday to help Hope Air provide Canadian patients with flights and accommodations when traveling for medical care far from home. Instead of gifts, ask for donations on your Facebook page. Sign into your Facebook page, click on Select Nonprofit, search for and select Hope Air. Then fill out the details for your fundraising campaign. It's just that easy. Find the three easy steps and more information about Hope Air on their website, hopeair.ca.
3: Their doors may be closed, but the Exploration Place has a new exhibit. It's the first use of their brand new online collaborations database for a virtual exhibit. The new temporary exhibition has been created to commemorate some of the people, places, objects, and events that have helped shape Prince George. Made possible with support from the government of BC, celebrate our community digitally with the new virtual exhibit from the Exploration Place Museum and Science Center. Find the link at theexplorationplace.com.
6: Friendly phone calls are an important part of daily life for seniors living alone. The Prince George Council of Seniors Friendly Phone Calls Program helps keep these isolated individuals active and connected to our community. If you're a senior looking for someone to talk to or a volunteer willing to make a few calls for a couple hours each week, get involved. Call the Council of Seniors at 250-564-5888 or stop by the office at the corner of 7th and Victoria.
3: Set yourself up for success as a new executive director with Vantage Point's Executive Director 101. Three three three-hour sessions will equip first-time executive directors with practical skills and knowledge to succeed in their role. Full details, including cost, times, and registration, are available through the events link at thevantagepoint.ca. Come away with tangible tools, ideas, and practices to apply in your first executive director role. Executive Director 101, Thursday mornings from 9 to noon, starting May 6th through the vantage ca
0: This is after 9 on Prince George's Community Station 93.1 CFISFM
1: So Aaron you were mentioning that you and Darby write all the music for the Ule do Yeah. How does it work? Does one of you usually do melody and the other one does the lyrics or So
7: um we do we split it in what we call top line and bottom line. Mm-hmm. So Darby does uh, melody and lyrics. Oh. And I pretty much do everything else. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Darby uh, plays most of the guitars, but I, I write like, so all the drums and synthesizers mm. and bass and all that kind of stuff. I do all of that. Um, and oftentimes, uh, act kind of more as an editor of what Darby's doing. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: We can't say that on the radio, Darby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
7: I just act more like I just kind of take him – I just kind of take what he's doing and try and make it better. Okay. Um, And so so it it ends up working out really well, really, Mm -hmm. all things considered. Um, We don't step on each other's toes or anything, which helps a lot.
1: Do you sometimes – again, when you're almost always, say, in studio – Mm -hmm. and you're playing a song, do you sometimes, either you or Darby kind of stop and say, okay, that line just isn't working. Absolutely. And Um, and so... What happens then? Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever ever had to throw out a song, I guess? Absolutely. Okay.
7: So we have, we are really, really big, um, big into the idea of constructive criticism. Mm. Um, It is not uncommon for us to completely rewrite something. Mm -hmm. uh one of the songs we're releasing called memories of home uh completely changed from the beginning to the end uh it ended up it started out as kind of a how would i even describe it like kind of like a low-key acoustic intimate song Mm -hmm. and ended up being (laughs) i would almost (laughs) describe it as a billy joel song like a Mm -hmm. billy joel like piano Mm -hmm. uh saxophone like the whole thing and when, you, when, you, when it comes out, we will probably also release all the demos. That's mm. one of the things we we're talking about doing is, is releasing a bunch of demos um, of what these songs sounded like before we actually recorded them. So you get an idea of sort of where things li-
1: uh, lie from beginning to end. And now, the song we're going to be hearing in about another minute and a half or so is actually not a song off the new album because that's been a totally tightly guarded secret in terms of the songs. <laughs> but this is a song by the statistics called Sparks in the Night. Yes. Now, how did that song come about? Was it basically the same sort of thing? Darby wrote everything? I mean, you went through and said, nope, 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 nope. This one was a bit weird,
7: actually, um, in that we had half of the song written uh, and it just never went anywhere. Mm-hmm. It, it sat there for years. <laughs> and eventually what we figured out was the reason it was sat, sat there forever was because the melody was almost identical to another one of our songs and so and Darby really didn't have anything he was writing about mm-hmm. so he started writing the song and didn't really know what he was writing it about like and that's a really big thing mm-hmm. um and eventually he figured it out and then we sped it up by about 40 beats a minute <laughs> and um we had a, a friend of ours play some bass on it and he basically just ripped off uh, Paul McCartney, and then it works. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, when you rip off the Beatles, uh, things just work. Yeah. Um, which, if you start listening to music critically, you realize is most of the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Sparks of the Night was just a, was a bit of a is a bit serendipitous in that way. Like it just kind of all came together at the end.
1: Okay, Aaron Ewell, the Yule Brothers, and again, so the first release is this Friday for yes, the first it is. single. We are going to hear an old song
4: from the statistics.
1: Aaron, thank you very much for coming in and chatting. Thank you for having me. Okay. This is Sparks in the Night by the Statistics. in the night, actually done by the statistics as they were known at that time. Now the Yule Brothers with their brand new music starting up this Friday. And we will have one of those songs actually in the on-stage spotlight on Saturday morning, I believe. Um, So again, Aaron Yule with Brother Darby as the Yule Brothers. That'll about wrap up today's show. Tomorrow... I'm in again, scheduled to talk with Stephanie D'All from the uh, YMCA of Northern BC, Sandra Klim talking about the Hospice Color Walk coming up, and Genevieve Jade, one of the artists for the Amanika Arts Centre fundraiser this
0: weekend as well. And that's all tomorrow after (laughs) 9. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFISFM. fm After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca.
6: You're tuned to Prince George's Community Station, 93one CFISFM. CFIS-FM. Pro- Proudly supported by community groups like Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Civic Plaza.